The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, I'm Gina Thomas-Kelly from SB Nation. And I'm Amir Tyree from DraftKings Nation. And we're the hosts of Football Cheat Sheet, a brand new podcast that comes out every Friday and provides you with all the tools you need to win money and dominate your friends in fantasy this NFL season. Be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. And if you have questions about fantasy football, DFS, or betting options for any given week, drop those questions along with a five-star review, and we'll be glad to answer them on our next show. All right. You know what? Let's let's start something off with something pro Falcons today because <laughs> you guys you guys have a you guys have a fun matchup this week so I I'd, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on uh just before getting ready to record the show we've seen that um Taysom Hill is getting uh first team snaps for yes. the Saints over Jameis Winston one thing which we'll talk about a little bit uh more at the end when we get to like lines but every everyone is taking the Falcons to win this game um so let's talk let's talk about just fantasy perspective of that where you know, we we know what Jameis Winston has done in his career versus the very small sample size we've seen from Taysom Hill, who mm-hmm. is uh, also an option as a tight end in some fantasy leagues. So yes, um, well, you know, one of the things that I find kind of interesting about the decision to let Taysom Hill get the start and potentially, you know, not really factor Jameis in is that I think that the last touchdown pass that Jameis Winston threw was to Falcons linebacker Deion Jones. Um, And so that may be part of the reason that said, uh, yeah, I don't know why people are taking the Falcons to win this game. I don't know if they haven't seen the Falcons play this year or if they haven't seen the Saints play this year, but I picked the Saints to win this. I don't like it. I despise that team, but I just don't see a path for the Falcons to beat the Saints. One one thing that also has come into play. Um, I'd I'd be interested. I'd be interested in that uh in that Falcons line if if Alvin Kamara if Alvin Kamara does not play he's been um he has he has been limited so that could be uh that could be part of why but at least we'll see um how much that line moves but I know it opened when I was looking when I was looking at it on uh Wednesday it was Atlanta it was Atlanta plus one one seventy five mm-hmm. and uh, Saints Saints four point favorites and we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about the betting splits later on in that but. Is that something that you think it's worth rostering Jameis Winston to maybe come in and relieve Taysom Hill when things go downhill? Or you think they're just gonna stick like stick with the run, stick with like you know short passes? Not like they're going crazy stretching the field with Drew Brees. So it's you know I don't, yeah. I don't think they'd expect Taysom Hill to like take a whole like a bunch of shots down the field. But the accuracy thing comes into play. 
where, you know, we haven't seen enough to know if Taysom Hill is accurate. And we know what mm-hmm. Jameis Winston's accuracy problem has been. But he got LASIK <laughs> now, so who knows how amazing he could be. But Exactly. What, what I'm thinking that we've got to keep in mind is that Sean Payton is the same guy who called an onside kick to start the second half in a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, this is a guy who is constantly trying to game the system, trying to game his opponents. And I could completely see that this is all just a big smoke screen and he's going to let Taysom Hill come out and do the first offensive series and then Jameis takes over from there. So I would say, yeah, like if you're looking for a quarterback, I think that Jameis Winston is probably not a bad guy to have in your back pocket um, just because I think that he probably will end up getting a decent number of snaps. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like as far as DFS wise, he could be like the super. I, I think I think at least especially in like the G, in like GPPs where you have to those like higher price ones, mm-hmm. people are gonna really be scared of him. We know Atlanta can give up a, a lot of a lot of uh, yardage through the air. It's really risky to do that. But then you know, mm-hmm. at the same at the same time, it was like I said I didn't want to touch Ronald Jones ahead of uh, Week Ten, and then he runs to that ninety eight yard or so. And yes, they, career, uh... <laughs> career career high one ninety two. So you know the super risky plays can definitely pay can definitely pay off. That they can, and I mean in this case, I just think that Taysom Hill is not a starting quarterback. Um, that's not a knock on him. He's a gadget player who's been very successful in this New Orleans offense. But uh, yeah, I just don't see him as yeah. as the as the actual option for New Orleans. We're both higher on Winston on Jameis Winston coming in than Taysom Hill. Absolutely. Okay. My my dogs are you know growling and wrestling here in the background. I think that they're agreeing with us. That's and yeah. You know, moving on to uh, one of the games that everyone thinks is uh, going to be a shootout, maybe a good a uh, good amount of fantasy upside is the Chiefs' chance at a revenge game against the Las Vegas Raiders. This time in Nevada, we saw uh, the uh, Seahawks Cardinals game. We saw let us down uh, as far as like points because the over under for total points is set at fifty six and a half. The same is the case uh, for this Chiefs Raiders game, which they combined for seventy two the first time. What are what are we thinking about uh, hitting that over under again? For me, for me, I'm th- I think th- uh, definitely the under, but the general public is overwhelmingly in favor of the over at least on this one. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think that I'm probably leaning toward the under two. Uh, the funny thing about this has been that, you know, Raiders fans are kind of seeing this as like their Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> and so I think the expectations are very high, but it's a pretty uh, contentious divisional matchup. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to lean toward the under on this one. Yeah, because. You know, uh, I don't. I don't think Derek Carr can have that um, career game again. I don't know how how many of you've been keeping up with him like week to week since then. They have they have rebounded and um, won three straight since getting since getting blown out by the Buccaneers. But but yeah, Patrick Mahomes is on a tear, throwing for nine touchdowns and no picks in his uh, last three games, over three hundred seventy yards his past two. And Derek Carr hasn't thrown for over two hundred in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So and then yeah. But which it was it was it was surprising that he was able to have like a career game the last the uh, the last time they faced him. But the Chiefs have been really pretty solid against the run and uh, the pass this year. More susceptible more susceptible against the run, mm-hmm. and Josh Jacobs is way, is way up there among the league leaders as far as carries, uh, as far as carries go. So I'd say if anyone if anyone's going to carry them through this game, I think it would be more Josh Jacobs. I think I think the under I think the under is uh, safer on that end. But yeah, low, uh, the Chiefs guys have a ton of upside. They're have really pivoted off that run game where Clyde Edwards-Lair has pretty much disappeared um, since the arrival of Le'Veon Bell. 
they've got the healthy receiving core for the most part, uh, mm-hmm. despite Nicole Hardman being on the uh, COVID-19 list. But yeah, he's, he's spreading it around. Travis, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both had two great weeks. So if you wanted to have a, a, a really high price stack, I'm, I think that would, that'd be a good one uh, to look at. But I think the Chiefs carry most of the scoring load. Yeah, and and this one, then and, you know maybe the, maybe they go to the ground toward the end, but I don't I don't see this being a close game with both with both teams kind of like evening out on the score. I don't I don't think I definitely don't think the Raiders put up forty plus again. Mm-mm. No, I think that you're right, and so it should be an interesting one. But yeah, I'm still leaning toward the under on that one. And then uh, another one is the we have the Packers going up against the Colts. Um, the pa- the Packers when when all when all healthy they've been ama- they've been amazing uh, as far as having all their top wide receivers. Alan Lazard is finally back um, off the IR. He was dealing with that core injury. He went crazy on the Saints and I can't remember if it was week two or three, and then immediately went on the IR after that game. So with all their guy with all their guys healthy, uh, they've been great. But they're going against the probably most surprising defense in the NFL uh, this year. Indianapolis Colts have been. They're like top top three against the pass and the run. What do we think about just the upside of you know Devonte Adams is any anytime you face him, whether it's daily fantasy or season long, you're just like, oh, I know this guy's gonna get. I know this guy's probably gonna give them like twenty like twenty five fantasy points, yeah, or more. Or like more. But you, what do you think about like his uh, floor and just like getting those uh, Colts, uh, getting those Packers guys together against the Colts? What do you think the um, Colts hold because the Packers at full strength. Remember, they're the highest scoring team in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I was digging into some of the Colts defensive stats um, this week and was genuinely impressed. That's a team that I haven't had a chance to watch a whole lot so far this year. And uh, yeah, they have been really surprising. But you're still dealing with the Packers offense at full strength. Um, I've got to give the edge to to the Packers and this one, Um, you know, also looking at the Colts division, they're not facing this caliber of offense on a regular basis. Um, So, yeah, I think that I'm, I'm going to still give the edge to the Packers. Where are you, where are you on uh, uh, MV MVS now that Alan Lazard is back? Cause he's, he scored three touchdowns in the past goal. It seems like every catch he's made has essentially been a touchdown uh, reason Mm -hmm. to keep an eye on. Cause he was, he was a waiver wired, uh, target that i that i would say was uh picking up some steam ahead of week 11 but now now seeing lazard back is just like i, I don't know how much they're how much they're gonna throw him into the fire as far mm-hmm. as um snap count and things like that but maybe expect a dip uh a dip down from him yeah i mean i think even just being able to have lazard on the field draws some attention from that secondary and i think that creates more opportunities for mvs so he is a guy that i would still definitely keep an eye on i'm gonna check out the price um, this week in DFS and see what he would set me back in DraftKings. But um, yeah, I, I think that that just creates more opportunities potentially, especially if Lazard isn't back to full speed. Yeah. And then one of the last things I want to talk about who I had JD McKissick as my uh, sleeper when we talked about last week, I think that the Washington, fo- Washington football team is going to be a team to really keep an eye on these next, like it's, depending on, depending on how they do, and week eleven, I might come back to them and get a Washington uh, stack again. And week twelve, to be honest, because I, I was they they kind they kind of let me they kind of let me down in the end. But there's just so much upside in that offense from what I'm seeing. And Alex Smith being under quarterback, throwing fifty five passes uh, last the last time. I don't know if they necessarily play as many snaps, but he played more snaps than any quarterback in week ten. Played eighty eight snaps, 
and threw on 62% of his snaps. So It's especially impressive considering that he was coming off of what might have been a career-ending injury. Like, it's mm-hmm. been really kind of amazing to see him step right back into that starting role and take on that kind of workload without, you know, any kind of hiccups or anything. Um, we've talked about my affection for these Washington offensive players before. Um, I've been having a really, really good experience this year with Terry McLaurin in my DFS lineup almost every week. Um, And here lately, he's getting more consistent targets. And so that's a guy that I'm very likely going to add to my lineup again this week. Um, And I love the idea of doing a Washington stack just because those players have not been that expensive and they have been very productive. Like yeah, like aside from Terry McLaurin, I could and people people have been high on Antonio Gibson, but McKissick especially McKissick especially and um Alex Smith are two people I have an eye on who could come in at DFS wise, they're I think they're gonna be under five percent owned. Mm-hmm. Uh both of them, which like when he when uh, Alex Smith threw for three ninety, I was like, Oh my he's 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 gonna break this slate, I'm gonna just fly up. He didn't he didn't throw for a touchdown. He only has but people are gonna remain low on him. He's only He's he's like lower he's lower five thousand on DraftKings. He threw for three ninety, and his his last two games he has one touchdown and three picks, which doesn't look great. But when you look at his neck coming up in week eleven, he's coming up against the Bengals, mm-hmm. who just gave Ben Roethlisberger on two bum knees his best game of the season. <laughs> and then they have the Dallas Cowboys the week after that. So if you want like a short fix, if he's going to continue, because yeah, he he essentially he threw for. Mid like mid three hundreds and three quarters when he came when he came in after Kyle Allen went down. So mm-hmm. when you look at that and then JD JD McKissick, who he's he's been priced up a little bit since his last time out, has gotten twenty nine targets in his last two games. Twenty nine. Like I wow. I didn't have the game um live when I, live when I was watching all the games last time, but I just kind of sometimes I just keep the play by play up on the side, and I was just mm-hmm. like watching his t- targets like pile up. So I had to like go back and look at them. If they hit on if they hit on like half like half of these and just like they're like short screens up and he's played as he's played close to 50 more snaps than uh and than uh Antonio Gibson in his past two games so they really it seems like they really like him to pair it over Smith you know both of them went over 17 like 17 points on draft on DraftKings last week i think it's a little risky to put like both of them together mm-hmm. but yeah that's just definitely something to keep an eye on because that's just Flat out insane. Like the the best wide receivers in the NFL are not getting that many targets. No, that's a bonkers number. I'm actually shocked that it was that high. Cause I, yeah, cause I saw I saw the fourteen the fourteen when he came in. I was and I was like I I want some of that. Let I was like let let's see what it looks like. And then they like bumped that <laughs> up even more. So I'm like how like and that's that's the, that's the game Antonio Gibson goes for two touchdowns in, and he's throwing fifteen <laughs> passes to the backup. So I really like Washington, and we'll see if they let me down against two bad defenses in the next couple weeks, but. You guys, I'm putting you on game right right now, so like pay attention to them. Yes. It would only be a short fix for DFS. Like don't don't bet your season long on Alex Smith or anything like that. But yeah, mostly DFS based. Yeah, this week's matchup and next week's matchup are really favorable. Um I'm in favor of, you know, apologies to blogging the boys and RJ Ochoa. Yeah. But uh I'm I'm on board with starting anybody who's playing against the Cowboys defense here for the next few weeks. Yeah. And then um only only two uh over unders I kinda wanted I kinda wanted to look at, which uh for Devontae Adams, um seven and a half receptions now that they're at full strength out wide. In his last in his last couple games, he's got eight, ten, seven, and thirteen in his uh last four times out. So what do we think about uh his receptions as far and he's also had uh seven touchdowns in that span, so 
seven and a half is kind of high. I'm gonna take the under. Yeah. You think uh, that um, he just go? He doesn't get as many looks, or just think the Colts defense more? I think I think the Colts secondary is going to limit the. I think that they're just going to limit his opportunities. Um, you know, I could see six or seven receptions, but seven and a half going over that. That's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a lot. Just their secondary is very good. I think I want to go the over just because he's mm-hmm. been, he's been eight or higher in three of the last four. But, you know, when you, when you count on him most, they usually let you down. But I, I think, yeah. I think his ownership will take a, uh, a little drop now. Now they have like a big target opposite mm-hmm. that and Lazard, but I think he can keep up the momentum. And mm-hmm. then uh, my guy, Alex Smith, can he get over one and a half passing touchdowns? Can he go for two against the Cincinnati Bengals against the Bengals. And now that he's got, you know, a little bit of uh, time back on the field under his belt, I think, yes. And I hope that he throws them both to Terry McLaurin so that I can get yeah. those DFS points. Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, it's the over for me as well. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't look at those like 300 plus yards approaching 400 back to back weeks and think, Oh, he's going to go up against another below average defense and not throw at least one. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he did not play for a long time. It would take a while to yeah. get comfortable out there again. I have to feel like with as many yards as he's putting up, he's starting to hit a stride again. And so I think, yes, the over, I feel really comfortable with that one. He's getting those uh, first team snaps back up now. So I think only, I think with time, he's going to um, continue to improve. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's get into these um, hits and misses. Like I talked about before, uh, that Washington stack worked out well for me, getting those uh, low-owned guys. Really, yeah, a touch, a touchdown or two really could have set me over the top. And they're they're getting right, they're getting right in there. And then McKissick got one gimme on like a like one or two yard, and then Gibson got like two in, inside the goal line. One of those times, if he gets Alex Smith, I think that could turn things around. And then uh, DJ Moore has uh, slid a little bit. He was fifty, he was fifty one hundred on. DraftKings and he was like like one or two hundred dollars more expensive than Curtis Samuel. I immediately jumped on that one. He he exploded and got his got his touchdown. A couple a couple like five or five or so receptions, I think ninety like ninety six yards in the score. So yeah, he bounced back. And then I keep I keep missing on these wide on these wide receivers and quarterbacks in these like terrible games. I picked like another tornado game with the Texans and Browns. So I had I had Will Fuller who had been playing really well, and the Browns now in like two of the last three weeks have just been in these crazy conditions where none of the offenses are uh, really going like that. So he he was in my in my whole uh, lineup that I played and for week ten. He's the only person who didn't go over ten fantasy points for me. So I had a I had a solid week where he came, which he came in at like 8.8 or something like that, which it wasn't the worst, but I was expecting a lot more from against the Browns who had been Mm -hmm. one of the worst pass defenses. Uh, Let's see. Last week, my biggest miss was forgetting to set up our our DraftKings contest. I was on vacation last week. I drove back. It was a 12-hour drive on Saturday. On Sunday, my brain was just not really functioning. So um, yeah, so sorry about that. And we will remedy that this week. Um, and so I didn't really have any hits or misses last week because 
I didn't play DFS, but I did have a sleeper for this week, and it is Hayden Hurst. Um, The Saints are averaging, I think, giving up like nine points to opposing tight ends. Hurst has really come along in terms of his chemistry and his timing with Matt Ryan. And so he's my sleeper for this week. I don't really like to pick Falcons players because I'm often disappointed. But in this case, I actually do feel pretty confident about Hurst and his potential to score against the Saints this week. Yeah. Do you have uh, a lock for this one as well? or uh, You know, the the lock that I'm looking at again this week is Terry McLaurin. I think that Alex Smith getting getting back into the rhythm of being the starting quarterback and all of that, I think that that just stands to create more opportunities for McLaurin to put up points. So he's going to be my lock of the week now and like probably for the foreseeable future because he has been great for me over the past few weeks. Yeah. And I'll see about whether I want to come back to him um, for week 12. But Alex Smith, I'm going to say at 5,300 against the Bengals is going to be my lock of the week. I think he can, if he finds it, if he just finds the end zone a couple times, he's going to return uh, a ton of value, a ton of value uh, at that price point. And then um, maybe not necessarily a, a sleeper, but just flying a little bit underneath, underneath the radar. Maybe Jacoby Myers for uh, the Patriots has had four straight games of, um, double digit fantasy points and in that game in that game against the Ravens where Nikhil Harry didn't even get targeted once um, in his return uh, Jacoby Myers still led him in receptions and receiving yards the Patriots for a fourth straight game and at 4,900 against the um, the Texans so um, I like that matchup there even though the pa- the Patriots are do they do have one of the worst passing offenses in the NFL right now but when they do throw the ball they like Jacoby Myers so <laughs> I'm a fan of that. Yeah, it has been really interesting to see him emerge as the number one option. And like you said, I mean, Nikhil's been hurt, which has been part of the issue. But yeah, I think that he's he is a very, very good option. Yeah. And then before we uh, talk about some of the um, interesting sports betting lines, uh, just want to run through just a couple a couple interesting um, waiver wire targets that you might want to look into. Uh, like we talked about the that Packers Colts game. The Colts have had one of the more interesting like running back situations in the NFL because when Marlon Mack went down, everyone thought Jonathan Taylor was uh, going to be a star. And then uh, Jordan Willis came out of nowhere and was randomly um, leading them in touches. And then Naheem Hines in his last three weeks has two multi-touchdown games coming off his, uh, his last performance. And he has like a, sol- a solid floor just from, uh, PPR, from, just from his uh, PPR standpoint. Uh, he, he's he continued to earn himself some more touches just in and around the goal line area. And I think as they like split it between those those three guys, I think the guy who's going to have the higher ceiling of those ones is um, Hines. So it, when it's so hard to guess on the Colts because T.Y. Hilton has completely like fallen off the face of the earth. So Which I am still <laughs> stunned by. But yeah, yeah. And I did want to mention uh, Fooch, our friend, your editor at uh, DK Nation he decided to bet the Falcons money line. And so I'm curious yeah. your thoughts on that. Yeah. Kind of touched on it early in the show, but um, yeah. For me, it comes down to Kamara, really. Mm-hmm. If, if there's, if there's no Kamara, I give the, I think I give the Falcons a solid chance to win that game. Yeah. And yeah. I like them. I like, yeah. And I like them in that matchup, but yeah, just to touch on um, some of the other um, bigger ones that people are looking at the surprisingly enough, the chargers, are the biggest are some of the biggest favorites um, coming up this week, where they haven't they haven't been in a uh, they haven't 
played in a less than a one score game this entire season, but they are favored by nine and a half points against the winless Jets um, so far. Which when I look when I was looking at um, just like the point spread bets, it was pretty close to it was pretty close to fifty fifty as far as uh, the handle on those, but it's jumped a little bit in the Chargers' favor in the Chargers' favor since yesterday. And yeah, I think with Ju- with Justin Herbert's kind of uh, the passing attack that, he ha- that he's had, and he's been able to just pr- pretty much get uh, pretty close to three hundred just week just week to week and keen mm-hmm. out. I think they get the job done. With, you know, lowest lowest scoring team, yeah. In the NFL, I don't think they're even even as much as they have struggled on defense at times. I think they get the uh, job done there just fine. Yeah, I mean, Joey Bosa is back from a concussion, and I think that that just in and of itself is going to make a difference for the Chargers. As a Falcons fan, I really feel for Chargers fans because I feel like the Chargers are the Falcons of the AFC East. They're always blowing these leads. If there's one team that I feel confident that both the Falcons and the Chargers could beat without blowing a lead, it's the 2020 Jets. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about that one, too. The Dolphins, I don't know how recent this is, but um, minus 3.5 at Broncos is kind of an interesting one to me because the Dolphins have been good since Tua's taken over. He's been very impressive. Um, So that one was interesting to me. I think, yeah, I I could could easily see how the Dolphins should be favored um, by a little bit more there, especially given what they've been able to do is like making just huge plays on, on defense. Mm-hmm. Lately, so they have no, they don't have any slouches really at that cornerback position uh, with Xavier Howard and and Byron Jones. Just maybe they're not being, they're not like on the top of the world like a person like uh, Jalen Ramsey's like super high in the spotlight. But mm-hmm. yeah, at times they played, um, they played really well against wide receivers, and then that's where the Broncos are have been pretty beat up without um, Cortland Sun. It seems like week to week, yeah, week to week to week. Jerry like Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and a lot of those guys are just like. You know, they're limited in practice all week, and then they come to game day. They end up playing. Yeah. Um, just a, a couple other uh, waiver wire people you guys might want to talk about. Just just running backs. There have been a lot of interest, like a lot of uh, interesting running backs to kind of worth keeping an eye on. So uh, Wayne Gallman, which I'm sure his stuff, I'm sure his um, roster ship has gone up by a significant margin margin, but he's not doing like crazy as far as like rack, racking up yards. But he he is reaching the end zone really consistently. For a Giants team that's uh, really struggled running the ball, which Daniel Jones was leading their way uh, <laughs> running the ball, and he he even had like another uh, thirty another thirty yard score. But yeah, Wayne Gallman scored two touchdowns in his last game, scored a touchdown in each of his last three games before that. So I think he's going to uh, continue to to get that goal line work. And then um, another one was just like the Dolphins running back situation where they had Jordan Howard, who was my sleeper mm-hmm. uh, that one week, and he. He had like the nine, the nineteen yards on ten carries, and then they released him, and they brought in Salvan Ahmed, the rookie, who uh, got twenty plus touch twenty plus touches and ran for like around ninety yards in a score. So if if you're in those like deeper leagues, which which um now Matt Breed is coming is supposed to be coming back, but Salvan Ahmed could be like a in those like deep deep leagues if you don't think um a lot of viable options are available at running back that I'm really struggling at running back and there's uh it's tough I don't, I don't even think he's even on the board in my league but maybe in some of yours he could be so maybe take a look at him if he's going to be that workhorse guy and if he can get um close to like 15 touches 
again, like before Miles Gaskin comes back and takes all the work away. Yeah, all of my season long leagues are pretty deep leagues. And um, my starting quarterbacks in each of those were um, some mix of Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey (laughs) here and there. And uh, yeah, so it has been the worst year for running backs. So um, Gallman is a guy that I was able to grab off of waivers, did not really have high hopes when I grabbed him, which was several weeks ago. But yeah, I've been obviously happy the past few weeks. I'm tr- I'm still trying to think of my who was supposed to be in the doghouse this week. I'm just putting myself in the doghouse for forgetting to set up our our DFS contest. That makes that makes my doghouse really really easy. And I'm putting my dogs in the doghouse for being so loud <laughs> while we're recording. I think I'm going to go with Derek Carr and mm-hmm. because, you know, he had he had arguably one of the best games of his career last time he faced the Chiefs. Now he's at home. Like get over. I don't even think he's I I said 200 early in the show. I don't think I think his uh his high in the last three weeks is 165 passing yards, which it does it does uh I'll I'll give I'll cut on some slack for that Browns game, but he he's got to get over that if he wanted he wants to keep up with arguably um, most talented um offense in the NFL. So yeah, it's, def- it's definitely on him. He can't depend on Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker to combine for four touchdowns again, uh, like they did against the Broncos that last time out. So he's definitely going to have to step up in a big way. Uh, try and connect with Darren Waller, who's by a wide margin behind Travis Kelsey as far as like the second best fantasy option at tight end. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr has got to step it up. I'm I'm sure a lot of people will not be <laughs> uh, too high on him coming into this week, but yeah, he's in the doghouse for me. That that works. Um, I know that our Raiders over at Silver and Black Pride, our Raider site, I know that they agree with you. Uh, Derek <laughs> Carr has been in their doghouse for a couple of years, so. <laughs> Yeah, you're just catching up with Raiders fans now. Well, folks, that is our show for this week. Um, As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And you can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas at J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. And I will set up our DFS league this week. And so look for that. Join it. Play along with us and let us take your money. Yeah. And you can find me at it's underscore a miracle, A-M-E-E-R-I-C-L-E. I'll make my uh, return to the weekly Daily Fantasy League. I'm going to be loading up on my Washington guys. So if you guys want to join me on that and uh, take the risk, I will I will not make my strategy a secret because I, I love my <laughs> Washington football team. But yeah, make sure to, uh, to subscribe and leave that five-star review. And thank you for joining us, guys.